good morning, Restoration Church. It is great to be together today. It sure is. Um, just want to just stop and welcome. Uh, we were unable to have Plymouth uh, loca- uh, service in Plymouth today uh, because we had some pipes freeze over the weekend. So that doesn't get repaired until today or tomorrow. So thank you guys, everybody, for joining us online and for our regular online crew and for Milton crew. Uh, the one thing about joining us online today is you're missing our our feast that we're having after our services. And, uh, you know, we've been fasting all month and abstaining from different things all month. And I thank you so much for being a part of that, for praying and pressing in and going deeper and allowing, just allowing yourself to focus more on Jesus and what he wants for you at the beginning of this year. So we're going we're gonna to celebrate that time. One thing that you'll read in scripture, fasting is deeply spiritual. You'll also see that feasting is deeply spiritual and that it was something that God ordained and they would have feasts. You can read about all the different feasts they have that would last seven days um, as they would celebrate and worship God um, as they shared a meal together. So if, uh, if you're online, you're like, man, I don't want to miss it. You can still get to one of the locations and uh, the door location, second service starts at 11.15. So come and eat with us today. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great time. I don't know about you if you're thinking through, you know, what was the hardest thing for you this month? Was it the fasting? Was it one of the weeks that you were abstaining from something uh, for me, probably the most difficult thing was uh, abstaining from entertainment, and that was uh, two weeks ago, and just games on my phone, watching TV shows, just whatever it was, that was the hardest one for me. And I want you to think about which one was the most difficult, all right, because that can say something about the condition of your soul, can say something. So you want to evaluate that. Look back. God, what was the hardest for me? And then begin to, as you begin to realize that, begin to realize that's an area that God's going to want to grow you this year. So for me, I mean, it's probably been this way for a long time, but, but stillness, solitude, quietness, those are things that God wants me to do, to slow down and just be with him. So what is it for you? Think about that, recognize that, and make a plan this year to do something about that. If it was fasting, like, oh man, I fasted two hours, like in between, in between meals or in between snacks, like that was the most treacherous, difficult thing I've ever done for Jesus in my life. We begin to think through now, and once a month, begin to fast a sundown to sunup or a 24-hour period or... Or just begin to think through that. How can you incorporate that now as a rhythm of your life? And uh, let's just let God grow you through that. Last week was Kids Takeover. I just want to take, you know, I didn't do this last week, but I want to make sure I do and thank Benaya for preaching last week. You are, yeah, you did a great job. You are the greatest 13-year-old preacher I've ever heard. So I am proud of you and thank you for, for working hard and for doing such a great job. If you're, if you're a kid and you're feeling like, I think I want to preach one day, I want to do that maybe next year at Kids Takeover. Well, you can. Uh, we were asking around in the months leading up to it and there was one kid who said he wanted to and so he got that opportunity. But for any location... Tell your location pastor, tell your kids leader, your kids pastor, and we'll begin to help you, begin to, to help you to, to write that sermon and, and we can include you, not everybody, but we can include some of you in, in next year's kids takeover. So go after that, go after that call that God has in your life, because I know we've got a lot of kids and teenagers at every location feeling that God wants them to to work at a church or to be a missionary or to be a pastor. And so we want to help you go after that. Well, let's jump into, this is the last week of our series, Deeper. And each week we've been showing you a picture to just help illustrate what would happen if, you're, if the roots in your life, if the, your roots in Jesus and in God, if they don't go deeper and, and helping you to begin to see why they need to go deeper. 
This week, I want to show you this picture as, um, as we talk through deeper faith. And this tree, so obviously it's in the middle of a bomb, bombogenesis, or however you pronounce that word. It's right here in the middle of winter, and the thing you see about this tree is it has no leaves on it. But this tree is not dead. In fact, it is flourishing. It is healthy. It is very strong. But as with every tree that's not an evergreen tree, it's part of the process that God designed it for. And every year, come fall, these leaves change color. And this tree, I mean, obviously it's not conscious, but let's pretend for a minute. It has to make this decision to let go of its leaves, to shed its leaves, which are its very source of life. Having deep roots is really, really important, but it has to have faith that when it lets go of these leaves, which, which are the only way it can, it can uh, uh, participate in photosynthesis, that when it lets that go, that it has faith in God that those leaves will grow back. God, if I let go of these, how do I know they'll come back? If I let go of this, how do I know that you'll sustain me? If I let go of this, how do I know I won't die? If I let go of this, but the tree has faith to let go. The tree has faith to risk everything, believing that it's part of God's plan for its life. And what happens in its process of shedding its leaves, its roots grow deeper. The tree grows taller. It grows stronger. For us this morning, as we talk about deeper faith, you know, there are things that Jesus specifically tells us to give up in order to grow. And if we're going to have deeper faith, part of that deeper faith is shedding some things, giving up some things, sometimes for just a season, sometimes forever. But we have to trust him to let go of those things in order to enter a new season of growth. What are some things that Jesus could be calling you to give up? Well, he could be calling you to give up one meal a month or one day of eating a month for the rest of the year. He could be calling you to give up a job, to give up a boyfriend or girlfriend, to give, up a, uh, to give up some money. He could be calling you to give up an addiction. He could be calling you to give up some comfort food. He could be calling you to give up just some comfortability and calling you into new disciplines, into, into being more strategic. It's not the same for every one of us, but, I'm, but I believe this, that if you ask God, are, are there some leaves in my life you want me to shed in order to grow? He will have some things for you. And it's not always bad things because remember, leaves are not a bad thing for this tree. Oftentimes they're very good things. Sometimes they are godly things that he put into our life for a season and then he's asking us to go further and to give up those things. Will we have the faith to do that? I want you to have deeper faith so you can grow into everything God wants you to be. To think about this series deeper that I don't want you to make the mistake of believing is that it is about doing more. Okay, I gotta do more for God. Okay, I gotta figure out how to do more. I've gotta figure out how am I gonna do more? I can't do more. And I want you to know this. It is not about doing more. Growing deeper is not about doing more. It is about being more. It's allowing God to do something on the inside of you that you are more like him. You are more fully following him and you are more often being used by him. If you are overwhelmed about anything we talked about in this series, deeper faith uh, today, deeper walk, deeper community, deeper roots, if any of that overwhelms you, the pressure you are feeling, it's, it's because you're thinking about all the things you have to do 
And I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think about the things God asks you to be. Peter Scazzaro, a pastor and author, uh, said this. And I remember the first time I, I, I read it, it was like heaven opened up and, and, and God spoke to me very completely. So this is a paraphrase, but it, I mean, it could be an exact quote. But out of my memory, he said, God created us human beings, not human doings. He's more concerned with our deeper roots, our deeper faith, because he wants us to be children of God. He wants us to be followers of Jesus. He wants us to be the people he created us to be. He doesn't just want us to do stuff for him. He's not our boss or our employer or our dictator or our teacher. He's our creator, our savior, our friend. If you're overwhelmed about doing more for Jesus, the pressure you are feeling, the pressure that you're under is that you're not slowing down enough to be more. Be more. Be more. How do we do that? Sometimes it's by willing to let go of those things. Giving up entertainment for a week causes you to be more. When you realize that the discomfort you had fasting or, or putting down your phone, not scrolling, not being on social media. I'll tell you what, I heard a lot of testimonies after five days of being off social media where people say, I feel better. Five days off, five days off of social media and, and people saying, I feel better. To realize what's going on on social media that's causing you to be less of a child of God. To be drawn into the things of the world. To realize I don't need to do less social media. Maybe you do, but the, but the, the moral is I need to be more with Christ. I need to be more of the person he's created me to be. So as we walk through this, I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. There's a clear passage here where Jesus is talking to his disciples and they, they didn't all yet know that they were following him. So this is really at the beginning of his ministry. It's early in his ministry. They know him. They're aware of him. Crowds are following him. But he challenges them here to go deeper. Now, he's speaking to them literally, go deeper, but we're going to look at that and look at what they were going through and look at our life. He's calling every single one of us to go deeper, even if you haven't yet made a decision to believe in him and to follow him. He's calling you to take that first dive in, saying, all right, Jesus, I give you my life, the biggest jump. He's calling every single one of us to go deeper today, and we want to look at this. So Luke chapter 5. Verse number one says, one day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping out into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So imagine they're all pressing him in. And so he pushes out into the water a little bit offshore. So he kind of has a stage. So he's beginning to talk to them from the boat. He's sitting down. He's teaching. Hey, Jesus, we want to hear your wisdom. We want to hear your words. We want to hear about the kingdom of heaven. We want to hear about God. We want to hear if you're really the Messiah. So Jesus is using this fishing boat as his pulpit, and he's teaching to the crowd. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, now go out where it is deeper. We're here in the shallow waters. I want you to go out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Let's go out where it's deeper. Let down your nets to catch some fish. And this is a clear command from Jesus to Peter. You think it'd be obvious. Jesus tells you to do something, you do it. But we wrestle with that. Sometimes it's the, most, it's the most mundane, simple thing. Sometimes it's the most obvious thing. 
I didn't have permission to share this story, so I'll speak in, um, hopefully, maybe I shouldn't share this story. One of my children, um, oh man, I should send them a text, but maybe that child doesn't have a phone to give me permission. So I'll tell you, I might, this is the story about me apologizing, I might be doing another apology right after this sermon, um, depending on if they're in the room or if they're in kids' church or if I made the whole thing up. Um, so there was an incident in our house this week where I was shooting my kids with an airsoft gun and they didn't want to be shot. So I just kept doing it. And <laughs> we ended up in a physical altercation as they were trying to run away and I was trying to injure them at a point blank range. And in that altercation, I punched one of my kids in the face. Um, so to add insult or injury to insult. And, and so I had to go and, hey, I'm sorry I punched you in the face. It was a sincere apology. And then to say later, I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry I wasn't listening to you. For the record to know, I never apologized for shooting him with the airsoft gun, just for punching him. <laughs> but I had, to, I had to, so something so simple, I, I knew I was wrong. I didn't literally punch him in the face. It was in the altercation that you hit, you know, you swing and hit someone. So don't call the police on me. I mean, you can if you want to, but there's no evidence. And... <laughs> Except for the sermon, scratch it. Uh, we, but I feel I feel quick conviction. Go apologize. I mean, it's a conviction. It's Holy Spirit speaking to me, and I could easily disregard that. But I have to listen, and even the smallest things, and do what He tells me to do. It's a clear command from Jesus: go out into the deeper water. You think, if Jesus tells me to do something, if he, as long as he tells me, if he can just audibly tell me, I'll do it. And, and that's not true. One, he tells, us, he tells us audibly from his word. Read it out loud. He told you audibly from his word what to do. Well, we still wrestle with it. In our heart, he speaks to us. Ask forgiveness from your son. Ask your spouse to forgive you. Repent of a sin. And we're like, ah, I'm not sure if that's really you. Well, Peter, he makes some excuses here as well. Jesus says, go deeper. And for each of us, as we sit in service today, as we sit online, you know, we can be with him right now when many of us are with him right now. We're followers of him. We love him. We worship him. But that isn't where he wants you to stay. Where you've been with Jesus over the last week, where you've been with Jesus this morning, where you've been with Jesus the last three years of your life is not where he wants you to stay. He's calling you out, not just in this series, but he's calling each and every single one of us. Come on, go out to where it's deep. Go out to where, don't stay where you're comfortable. Go out to the deep. Don't stay where you're safe. Go out to the deep. Don't stay where you are right now. Go out to the deep. Where we are right now is comfortable. The shallow is comfortable. It's easy to have faith for salvation. It's hard to have faith to invite someone to church. It can be easy to have faith to, to give. It can be hard to have faith to give the kingdom builders. It can be easy to have faith to pray every day. It can be hard to have faith to pray for someone to be healed. He's calling you to a deeper faith. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever been on a boat in the middle of a lake and decided to go swimming. If you've never done that before, watch a bunch of, like watch Jaws and a bunch of scary movies, and then go out into the, get rent a pontoon boat, go out on Winnipesaukee or Lake Sebago, get to the middle of the lake, and then 
pencil dive off of that thing. Just pencil, just see how far you can pencil dive off of that thing. I tell you what, it's one of the scary, forget bungee jumping, parasailing. That is one of the scariest things you can ever do. We're just going to go as far as we can. And I remember the first time I ever did that, maybe he was 14 years old, and you just feel like staying on the edge of that boat. I mean, it's not a big drop. It's whatever, it's two feet, three feet off into the water. You're like, I'm going to jump. I don't know how far I'm going to go, but I feel like when I do this, I'm going to go right into the belly of Leviathan. It's just He's just there waiting. He can see me. And as soon as I jump, he's just like, and I'll never come up again. Or there'll be like the octopus from the old 80s Popeye movie that's down there underneath me. He's going to capture me and pull me down. It's a very frightening thing to do. But it's also a very, very fun thing to do. Do that. Put that on your bucket list if you've, ever, if you've never done it. And now what I'll never do is what the things I see um, the Coast Guard and the Navy doing where they do that in the middle of the ocean. Great East Lake, Lake Sebago. That's scary enough for me. I'll leave salt water. To the people getting paid by the government. They can, they can do that. But shallow safe. Being up to your knees. Being up to your waist. Being close to the shoreline. Where you know you can get back. That's safe. And we can create this relationship with Jesus. Where I will follow you. Only though where it's safe and comfortable for me. And he's telling you today. Come on. Let's go. Get out to the deep. Peter responds with this. Master, Simon Peter replied. So just some context here. Why I keep saying Peter when it's not on the paper. We know him in history, church history as Peter, because Jesus changed, later changed his name. All right. So if I say Simon, people are going to be thinking about Simon Birch, the little short kid from that movie uh, in the early 2000s. Um, this is Simon Peter. Uh, Jesus eventually changed his name. So Simon Peter replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you, if you say so, I let down the nets again. So go back to that verse there, um, verse number five. Peter gives some reason why he shouldn't do this. Jesus says, hey, go out down into the, go down, let's go out into the deep, let's set, set some nets down there. He begins to tell why he shouldn't do this. He begins to tell why Jesus is wrong. Or maybe not that he's wrong, but maybe that he's ignorant. Jesus is ignorant. Well, yeah, he's ignorant. He doesn't know all the details. Jesus was a carpenter, not a fisherman. He doesn't know. Let's just tell them. Let's tell Jesus the facts. Once he has all the facts, he'll change his mind. Ultimately, I'll do what you want, Jesus. But if you can just understand your ignorance here, telling us to go out into the deep and try to catch fish right now. We've already done this. We've already tried this. And how do we do that? Well, <laughs> I think we do that all the time. He tells us to do something. You're like, oh, Jesus. He tells us to give the kingdom builders. Jesus, I, sorry, maybe you're ignorant of the facts. The government hasn't raised the minimum wage yet. Jesus, maybe you're ignorant of the facts. I, I just went through the divorce. I, my, all my disposable income has been disposed. Jesus, maybe, maybe you didn't realize I'm on a fixed income. Jesus, maybe you didn't realize... We think he's ignorant of, of the details. He calls you, different places in scripture, he, he calls you. I think of Gideon who we're doing a series on uh, in, uh, in, a, uh, in March. He's out there, he's a farmer, he's threshing wheat, which in any time I've been in Africa and I've seen people threshing wheat, the females do it. But here's Gideon threshing wheat, and so it seems like he's doing a job that's against uh, cultural norms. And the angel shows up, it's this mighty warrior. And he's like, me, don't you realize I'm crocheting right now? <laughs> mighty warrior. He shows up to Moses, you're going to speak on my behalf. He's like, don't you realize I'm, I stutter? I think you're ignorant of all the facts, God. And we do the same thing. Here are some things that Peter says that probably you said. He says, we worked hard all last night. Fishermen, they fished all through the night. They are done. They are cleaned up. They work through the night. They're going to go home, eat breakfast, go to bed. That's their plan. And what they say is, I'm, what he's saying is, hey, I'm tired. I've already worked. 
a full shift a little bit longer because we didn't catch anything. So, hey, I don't want to move forward. I don't want to go any further. He says, listen, I've tried that. So not only did we work all night, but we worked. We already went fishing. There's nothing to show for it. I've tried that. So you're asking me to do something. I already just did it minutes ago, hours ago. Fish aren't biting today. And then he says, you didn't catch a thing. It didn't, it didn't work. He comes back to Jesus. Hey, let's go out to the deep. Hey, that sounds great, Jesus. I'm, but I'm tired. But uh, I've tried that before. And guess what? It didn't work. We didn't catch anything. So us going out and doing the same thing we just did, it's going to have the same results. You don't want us to be insane, do you, Jesus? Nothing's going to change. Be honest. Have you ever done that to Jesus? I bet you have. You know what? I've done it before. I want to give, I want to talk about an example that's true to Restoration Church, but not just Restoration Church. All right, you're a Christian. You follow Jesus. Every church, every, every pastor deals with the same things. And so you're going to feel bad for a minute, but you're in good company. All right. Um, well, let's talk about circles, small groups that exist. There'll be, we'll have signups. They're starting here in about, I don't know, two or three weeks. And when circle signups come, people say very similar things to what Peter said. I can't join a circle. I'm tired. It starts at 6 o'clock at 6.30 or 7 o'clock on a weeknight. By the time I get home, I'm so tired. I can't get up and go to someone's house and to be part of a Bible study. I'm just too tired to do that. You might say. I've tried circles before. I've tried that. I've been part of small groups before. I know what it's like. It's just not for me. Or you might even say it didn't work. I went through a circle. I didn't like it. I didn't make friends. I didn't grow my relationship with Jesus. So I'm not going to be a part of another circle. I just read your mail. Like I just read... God just sent me transcripts of all your conversations with him. But it's not just in circles. And, and, and again, like that happens. Those are the same three excuses that we use in circles across churches in the United States. And even across different, um, different scenarios. He's calling you to fast and pray. Oh, I'm too tired to fast and to think through that and to plan, like even the Daniel, to plan all that, it's too, I'm too tired. I just got to go about business as usual. To pray, I'm too tired to pray. Every time I pray, I fall asleep, so I'm not even going to try anymore. I've, I'm, I'm tired. Uh, tithing and kingdom builders, I've, I'm tired. Forgiveness, I, I, I've tried that. It didn't work. I'm tired of having to forgive these people. Think through the thing that Jesus is calling you deeper and begin to think through like, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've used these excuses on you over and over and over again. It's common. He didn't. But Peter did something that made the difference. He did something. And it's all right for you to share your excuses with Jesus. It's all right for you to express that you're tired, that you've tried it before, that it didn't work, that you think he's ignorant, that you think he doesn't get it, that you think he's wrong. It's all right to express that. But what did Peter do that made the difference? Look at verse number five. He obeyed. If you say so, I'll let down the nets again. Here's all the reasons why I think you should change your mind. But if you tell me to do it, I'll do it. He obeyed. He obeyed. And we give all, God all the reasons why we think he's wrong and ignorant and we shouldn't do it. But then and we end the conversation there. But he obeyed. What happened, verse number six, at this time their nets were so full of fish, they begin to tear. 
A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. His nets were bursting. What was the result of him obeying Jesus? What was the result of him going deeper? His nets were bursting. There was a miracle. When you follow Jesus into the deep where he's calling you to go, there will be miracles. They saw something they would have missed if they didn't do it. Being a part of a circle, giving what God tells you to give in kingdom builders, um, uh, ending something, beginning something, but doing what he tells you to do brings you into seeing miracles, into seeing him, think, seeing him do things you would never see otherwise. Secondly, there was a blessing. Listen, the net's overfilling, two boats full of fish. What we don't want to miss was there was a lot of money in that hall. He didn't just say, here, here's a bunch of fish. No, they just made a lot of money. There's a blessing in an obedience. That's not always financial, but there's always a blessing. There's always one that's tangible that you can say. So what's the blessing? All right, when God tells me to go to my wife and say, hey, will you forgive me? I acted wrong. What's the blessing in that? Because that feels more humiliating than a blessing. Well, the blessing is my wife forgives me and our marriage grows stronger. So the blessing from all those times where God speaks to me and says, confess, repent, ask for forgiveness, what happens? The blessing is our marriage grows stronger. We have a greater love and a greater relationship. It's a blessing. It's a miracle she forgave me. It's a blessing that she did and that our relationship is close and that we are in love. Valentine's Day is coming up. I don't need a holiday to tell me how lucky you are, how lucky I am. <laughs> Verse number eight. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed him. They shed their leaves. They shed their life in order to pursue Jesus, not just into deeper waters, but into a deeper life, into deeper faith. They've received, they saw a miracle, they received a blessing, but the great privilege was being able to worship Jesus. A closer and deeper relationship with Jesus was the outcome of going deeper. When you follow Jesus into the deep and the unknown, you get to see Jesus do what only he can do. And you are more convinced than ever of his goodness, of his power, of his mercy, of his authority over heaven and earth. Now, I'm going to share with you a story that's maybe a little bit scary. Uh, I, I just encourage you not to be scared, but this was a moment for me. I've always gone to church. When I was born, my parents brought me to church. And back in those days, you went to church multiple days a week, and I promise you, the pastors were not as funny as me. It was soul-sucking sometimes to go to those church services. But I always went to church, and for me, I always believed in God. I gave my heart to him at five, I meant it. I've had seasons of sin and things I've had to repent from, and I've done a lot of stupid things in my life, but I've never walked away from Jesus in that moment. I've always believed in him, and I've always followed him, some years stronger than other years. And, and that was always true for me. I had an experience with God when I was 14. I knew he knew me and loved me. At 15 years old, I decided that God told me to be a pastor. I agreed to it. I was going to be a pastor. Now, that was freshman year of high school. 10th grade, I show up to a church service, not in this building, uh, but it was a restoration church service. And near the end of the, it was a special night service. Near the end of it, I was down at the front praying. And all of a sudden, there was a, there was a crowd gathering around with the, the guest speaker and the pastor and other people. And the pastor called me over. Nate, come over. Come over, help us pray for this lady. And very quickly realized that this lady was full of demonic spirits. How did we know that? Because it was a demonic manifestation like you would see in a movie. Eyes dark and rolled back in the head. 
um, a, a foul smell in the air, and you could hear the demonic spirit speaking through the person. It was frightening. I had goosebumps over me, and, nothing, and I wanted to flee that situation more than anything because I was just terrified. But my pastor told me, you're a part of this. And this woman who was, who was old and small and, and uh, a little bit overweight, I mean, she was not from the American gladiators, but this demonic spirit within her had such power that there were um, six grown men holding her there so we could pray for her. A few people on her legs, a few people on her arms, because this demonic power had greater physical strength than we did. And so the pastor had me at 15 years old as one of the people holding on this lady, praying in the Holy Spirit and praying for deliverance. Meanwhile, this demonic spirit is speaking with a foul voice and a scary voice and cursing at us and, and swearing at us. And I tell you what, I, I, I was scared, more scared than you are now because I was there. But three hours later, it, it could have been less than that. I don't remember how long it was. I mean, it felt like years. A couple hours later, three hours later, that lady gave her life to Jesus. That lady, every single one of those demons were gone. She was crying. She was smiling. And she was set free. With my own eyes, I saw it. I'm not embellishing. I'm not exaggerating. I saw it. It was on a Sunday night. I went to school that next Monday. I told all of my unsaved friends what happened. And I said with great joy and a great smile, Jesus is more real than we realize. He is more powerful than we ever thought. And I always thought that Jesus and the devil were equal. But I've taught you over and over again. Jesus is a full grown uh, Navy SEAL. The devil is a mouse. The devil is a little kid. The devil can't hurt us unless we let him hurt us. Little kid can jump on you on your groin when you're not paying attention. And cause you some pain. All right. But they can't beat you up. They can't control your life unless you let them. And I would realize right then, oh, the devil's powerful. The devil is scary. The devil does a lot of things. He can wreck a lot of people's lives. But my God is bigger. But my God is greater. It was one of those moments that caused me to worship him a whole week. Every time I thought about that, I wasn't afraid. I was so grateful. God, I can't even believe. I thought these were just stories in the Bible, but they're real. I thought stories of your miracles, I mean, I've, I experienced some of them, of them, but I had no idea how real and great you were. We should, we should talk about kingdom builders here for a second. Listen, I want to invite you to go deep. I want to invite you to experience miracles, to experience blessings. I want to invite you into greater worship. We're all in different places, but today it's Vision Sunday, Kingdom Builders Sunday, and I want to talk specifically about Kingdom Builders. Grab your book, grab your card. If you go through this Kingdom Builders guide, you'll see some of the projects that we're going to fund this year. Uh, one of them we haven't, I don't think we've talked about publicly, it's a Wyoming mission trip, and uh, our band is leading worship at the Wyoming summer camp. We're going to bless that smaller district. We're going to go and do that entire summer camp for them for free. So there's a chance if you wanted to go on that, you could, but it is open to band members and youth leaders first. We only have a small group of people we're bringing. Well, we're going to be serving as, uh, as leaders that week, as group counselors, as rec team. So what we've done at our own summer camps the last few years, we're going to Wyoming and doing it there. And uh, that's happening. It's going to be amazing. So pumped about that, sharing that with you. Over the next two years, hopefully it'll happen sooner, but we're going to um, expand our Plymouth parking lot. Um, we, we need more parking there. It is, and it is time to do it. Um, so that's happening. Also, as a side note, 
carpet install in the Plymouth Auditorium starts February 7th. So next Sunday, Plymouth location, you got to move out all the chairs and the sound booth um, because that starts next week. What an answer to prayer. But that's not Kingdom Builders, just, just a side note. Um, now, I want to share, you can read about all the projects, and I'm not going to go through them all, but I want to share with you details of one project that is not, it's listed in the book, but it's listed covertly. And this is about restoration recovery. We are under contract to purchase a building for restoration recovery. Now, we haven't purchased it yet. We are under contract, which means it's ours. We've got the financing. We've got the plan. But we, uh, I'll give you some more details in a little bit. We're, we're in a process into making sure that we're able to use it for what we want when we, when we purchase it. I'll show you a picture. This building is about 5,000 square feet in Rochester. Uh, it is functioning as a salon. Our hope and plan is that we'll be able to turn this into our first sober living home. And so we have a lawyer. We're in that process already. And, um, and on February 9th, we have a meeting with the town of Rochester to start that process. We don't know if it would be easy or hard, but I tell you what, if we fast and pray, maybe God will give us favor. Maybe it will be easy. So we're under contract to purchase this building. Um, it's pretty, it's honestly very exciting. Clap your hands. <laughs> so the, um, what's happening, so our lawyers submitting all the application. Here's what we need. We need you to come to that town meeting on, on February 9th. I believe that's a Tuesday, February 9th. We need you to come to that meeting. If you are a Rochester citizen, we need you to speak with, sincere, uh, with a sincere heart in favor of this project. In favor of this. And... And we're going to keep going through that process. We have to do a zoning board approval. Then we'll have to go to a planning board approval. So it's going to be multiple meetings. Uh, a, a yes at this meeting on February 9th is not a complete yes. We have to keep walking through the process. But this is the beginning of something great. Um, so that's what's happening with that. That's a big special announcement to share with you. Um, now, let's talk about our goal for this year. Our goal is $250,000 for Kingdom Builders. Obviously, more than we've ever done before. Between our missions giving, which is our 10% fund, when you tithe, we tithe toward missions as a church. Between our missions and Kingdom Builders this year, we were just under $250,000. Our goal is $250,000 just in Kingdom Builders for this year. Ultimately, our goal is a million dollars annually. This year, let's try to get a quarter of the way there. Here's how you do that. Plan, vision, and goal. And each of us are on a different step in this. Some of you have never tithed, you've never given before. You've never given a kingdom builder before. I want you to invite you in on this. Let's talk through it. The plan is make a plan and you work the plan. This has allowed us to hit our goals each year. It's people quitting coffee, quitting cigarettes, quitting cafes, cutting cable, automating their giving, making sure it comes out regularly, but just saying, I think I can give this much. I think if, we, if, we, if we're diligent, we can give this month, and then you just do it. $25 a month, $25 a week. It's just people, you know, $100 a month, just people who are just regularly giving. It's the same, and, uh, and it's amazing. Jump on board. Begin to figure out what you can do. Is there a streaming service or two you can cancel to begin to give monthly? Begin to think that through. For some of you, you've done this for a while. Um, you've adjusted your budget. It's stretching, but you can see how it's possible. I want to invite you to go deeper. You've been living at the plan this year, a few months, the last couple of years. I want to invite you to go deeper. The, the next area is to think through vision. What could Jesus give through me? What Jesus wants to do through you is greater than what you can do on your own. 
always. You can fish all night and catch nothing. Jesus could say, do it again. And all of a sudden, now two boats are overflowing. Jesus, what could you do through me? How are you calling me to go deeper? This is beyond what you can do on your own. When Jesus works through you, you have an ability to give like you've never thought. When he provides, though, this is always the caveat on that. When he provides miraculously later in the year, as we know he will, you have to then be diligent and obedient to then give it. I remember a couple of years ago, um, beginning of 2020, people are making their kingdom builders goal. And they get to the visions, God, I think you could give this much through me. And then what happened, surprisingly, during the middle of the year, the government started sending us you know, $1,200 checks. And so you're thinking, God, I don't know how I can give this, but I know you want me. He's like, here, let me make the government send you money. And it just appears. What did you do with it at that point? So we've got to remember, God, God, you want to do this through me. When it shows up today, three weeks from now, five months from now, eight months from now, that I remember, this is why this showed up. This is why that refund check came back. This is why that, that uh, inheritance check showed up. This is why. Because you want me to accomplish this. Be obedient to them. The third one is this, to have a dream. This is a prayer. God, what would you allow me to do? God, would you allow me to do this? God, I, I know you're calling me to give this much, but I think I could do more. God, I hope one day you'll allow me to do this. For some, this may take a while to get there. It may take years to get to that dream number. For, for some others, God may provide the means miraculously this year. I have a friend in ministry. He's the pastor of a church, a, a, a church in New Hampshire. A, I mean, it's a small church. They got, they got a gift of $1.6 million this year. Not all of us have ability to do that, but God has ability to do that through us if he wants to. What's that dream in your heart? What is it that you hope to give one day? My kids, my boys, they've given, between the four of them, they've given over $1,000 to Kingdom Builders the last two years. I think they broke, it might have been right at, pretty close to 2001 year. I, I haven't kept the exact, but two years in a row, they've been over $1,000 between the four of them. They've worked the vision. We've got a vision to give a thousand, they do it. This year, they decided without Michelle and I's input that they wanted to give $10,000. That's their dream. Way beyond what they can, none of them can legally work. Way beyond what they're capable of doing on their own, but just saying, God, I, I think you can do this through us. Would you allow us to do it through us? And so that's what they're filling out on their card this morning. And Michelle and I, that's what we're filling out on our card as well, because we don't want our boys to outgive us. All right, so we're gonna give. A, we're gonna. We're trying on our own to give ten thousand dollars this year, and that's that's gonna be a deeper thing for us. That's a deeper dream for us. So what happens now? I want you to take this and. I want, you to fill, I want you to fill it out. Jesus, what do you want to do through us? You want to fill it out? You did fill it out. All right, I was going to save me having to fill that out and talk at the same time. To think through weekly, monthly, annually, and to think through. Am I going to write down a plan? Am I going to write down a vision? Am I going to write down a dream? The dream, honestly, I, wouldn't, I, I probably wouldn't write that down. Keep that dream in your heart. Write down a vision number. Write down a vision number. And we're going to pray, and then, I don't remember, we're receiving them? Yes, we're collecting them. We'll collect them right now. Let's pray. Online, there's a link for you to fill, out a, to fill out one of these online. And so you can participate with us that way. Go deeper. Let's pray. Jesus, we give these to you. This is our goal. 
but it's not our goal on our own. It's our goal for you to do this through us, for you to do the miracles, for you to overflow our boats with fish in a way we never thought possible. You see our heart. It's to grow your kingdom. You see our heart. It's to do what you're doing. You see our heart to partner with you. And Jesus, I pray in advance for the miracles and the blessings to come, for the promotions, for the pay raises, for the surprise checks, for the business ideas, God, for you to fund what you've called us to do. May we hit 250,000 and even more. God, I pray for this building that we're buying, that, um, that it will be smooth through the whole process and we'd be able to purchase it and start this new aspect of our ministry here. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you ushers collect those band? Will you come to the stage? And I want to close with this. If you can stay engaged with me. I know I talked a long time and I apologize deeply for that. Um, I want to close this out with this. What happens when we grow deeper What happens when we have deeper roots and a deeper faith and a deeper community and deeper doctrine and deeper faith? What happens? We become like this. Flourishing, strong, beautiful, a testimony to the goodness and greatness of God. We become beings in God. Not people who do more, but people who are more, who experience more, who live more obediently, who live closer, who live deeper. I want to close with this scripture before we pray and before we end the service and singing. Jeremiah 17. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord have made their Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Let's pray, Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you have all authority in heaven and on earth. Thank you that you invite us not to be religious, but to be deeper, to live closer to you, to see miracles and blessings, and to have the privilege privilege of worshiping you. Jesus, you've seen our dreams. What we hope to be able to give one day, you've seen our vision of what we hope you'll, what we're feeling you, you want to do through us this year. Jesus, may nothing stop us from going after what you've called us to do. May nothing stop us from being the people you've called us to be. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.